Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, this is Afternoon Pancakes, episode... 29 my name is jared i'm here with my good friend stephen reed how are you how are you doing today sir i'm doing well today getting over another cold i tell you this this weather change that that we get goes from from and and where i'm living it goes from like 50 degrees 60 degrees and you're outside in like shorts and a t-shirt and then drops to like 12 and and in a two-day span Man, and you're just going, what? What just happened? Why? <laughs> why did this? Why, why do I live here? Oh, how are you doing today? And it's not like the weather's not the least of our worries, right? Regardless, no, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm uh, I'm fortunate in that I haven't gotten sick. So knock on wood, I suppose. Um, I'm certainly felt worse. Um, and thinking about how much worse could I feel, the the ending of the Titan train is a little bit of a relief for me, um, as we've learned uh, in my short time covering sports, there's a little bit of a rivalry stirring between the Colts and Titans. Uh, and the King Henry train came to a crashing halt, right? To get something yeah, like, that, uh, it, was, it was one of those things where if he didn't get going, it, this, we talked about this last week is the health of Chris Jones was really going to weigh heavily on how this game goes. Right. And sure enough. Chris Jones was he wasn't healthy, but he was he in there playing. Yeah. And when he's in there in that middle, Kansas City's a different defense. You can't you can't just run all over him. It's why when the Colts played the Chiefs back in week week five, Chris Jones went out midway through with an injury in right. that game, if I remember correctly. And I said, That's that's significant. A huge, that's a bigger injury than anything other than Mahomes going down or the Chiefs. Uh, right. because he is that anchor, and he's also a free agent this year. So, oh. for Colts fans, <laughs> a little foreshadowing there, right? So, what did we? Speaking of foreshadowing, might as well just jump into it. Uh, so we're we're aware, you and I are aware that in the last like 16 hours, the internet is gonna stir up rumors of um, what is it, Ngakwe? From 
Jacksonville. Yeah, Yannick, Yannick and Gakwe. Yannick and Gakwe. So it's two o'clock now. That was probably posted either around ten and a.m. to ten p.m. to two a.m. Uh, Yannick posted that he's free. Um, and then there was a report before that that had basically said that we expected him to resign quickly with, uh, with Jacksonville and that his services. It was like, yeah, it was some like random, it wasn't like a random, like nobody's heard of it website, but it was one of those guys that have sources that you always kind of question, like, you know, are you just trying to get out in front of this by claiming something? Right. Or is this like a legit thing? Right. It's like, uh, for example, a while back, I thought I had a rumor that Chase Young was going to declare for the draft, but he had said publicly that he was returning to Ohio State. And when I posted it in our Slack chat, I think that's like the most shit I've ever gotten from anyone is when I posted it, hey, here's the declaration from Chase Young uh made into a graphic or whatever and everybody was like yeah but he's gonna get drafted like second overall so like that's that's simply part of the process <laughs> like yeah like he's definitely he's definitely he's definitely leaving yeah and he definitely did and he will absolutely probably fit in wonderfully in washington uh with ron rivera there i'm really ron excited for him like that a lot that's a nice a nice uh coming into work on day one party right uh and and definitely going to be a force in the nfl um and then obviously uh since we last met trying to think well obviously we want to talk about the conference championships right so we could just start with um again titans chiefs uh, Patrick Mahomes, 23 for 35, 294 yards, three touchdowns. He was sacked twice, uh, but otherwise played very well. And then Ryan Tannehill, uh, 21 of 31, 209 yards, two touchdowns, sacked three times. And then, like we really said, with, uh, Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones and the rest of that Kansas City front, they were able to hold Derrick Henry to uh, 19 carries for 69 yards. He did have a touchdown. Yeah. Um, And then the real... We talked about... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you. So we talked about this last week is our biggest concern with Tennessee was they'd likely have to score more than 28 points to beat the Chiefs. And neither of us were particularly confident that they could do that um, given their talent on offense and, and their propensity to just run the ball. And right. sure enough, you know, they, they ended up 24 points and yeah, they started off, started off well and went, went up 10 to zero um, pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I was able to, to keep that 10 point lead through the first quarter. Um, but once, once Kansas city got on top, and got that touchdown at the end of the the second quarter to go up 21-17. In my mind, that Tennessee then couldn't 
do what they wanted to do right necessarily like and, and yeah they could have kept running the ball and kept going but you there's that feeling of inevitability right like if we if we even if we score on this drive if we give the ball back to the chiefs they're going to score so yeah. we're we're begging another score if we score um that's how much of a threat uh kansas city has among its bevy of weapons uh sammy watkins seven receptions with 114 yards and a touchdown uh tyree kill five catches 67 yards two touchdowns and certainly getting it all over the place i mean think about i told you last week i was gonna look at my tight ends and say i think i'm gonna bet on kelsey and kittle well kelsey only had three catches for 30 yards so it wasn't like i was right this week um I think that affects not what I say affects what an organization does. That's not what I'm suggesting. That would be crazy, right? Uh, but I'm be saying, very, very confident in yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm allowed to be confident, but I'm just not allowed to pre- pre- pretend like anyone particularly <laughs> listens to me that makes decisions. That's probably not wise. Um, but if you're game planning against Kansas City, I think you got to kind of try to cut them off um like trapping the queen right um so that's what um tennessee did against uh kansas city was try to take kelsey out of the game and that let uh watkins and hill their slot receivers so the guys opposite the tight end right are getting lesser coverage or are more open and thus are targeted more frequently. That's how this works, right? So Tennessee decided we're going to try to take the tight end out of the equation. So think about Travis Kelsey, who averages something along the lines of like 69 yards a game, only has three catches for 30 yards in a game they win going away. And I I agree with you. uh, The Chiefs have such reliable uh weapons it's almost like a play that you know is good for 13 right like (laughs) yeah that's a 13 yard play right there um but they just they just have those in their back pocket right as as a a good third down team does uh and that's the thing about the titans is that the titans run the ball well enough to run on third and long and be successful enough that it feeds its inevitability right so like I'm not even saying that they run the ball well on third and eight. I'm saying when they do and they they have success on those run plays and then they're going to line up and do it again because they've already wore out the defensive line. That's the only reason that you're pushing the gas pedal like that is when you know you've gassed their defense. Um, and that's that's why teams like the Colts like to run, because if you can gas a defense, you can gash a defense. Right. That's yeah. And that's why I was I was always saying during the game i wonder if kansas city is scoring too quickly right um because they're scoring they're taking two minutes like their their touchdowns were they they had one long drive to score their first touchdown yeah but their second and third touchdowns were a total of 236 and 140 yeah for how much time they they ran off the clock and scoring and of of course it's good because they score Mm-hmm. But you had Tennessee, who at that time was just kind of, you know, three yards cloud of dust. 
Dustin, uh, Mike Vrabel was going for it on fourth down pretty yeah. consistently, which told you a whole lot about how scared he was to give the ball back to Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Against his defense. Right. Like, and it, going off what you said, they were definitely trying to eliminate Kelsey, which they effectively did. And, you yeah. know, holding a guy like that, he had four targets on the game. Mm-hmm. Three catches for 30 yards and four targets. Yeah. And then you look at somebody like Sammy Watkins had 10 targets. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, seven. Uh, you know, those guys, like you said, were, were the focus. But then Tennessee also seemingly spied Mahomes a lot, mm-hmm. which I thought was a bad idea given the play, given the speed of their linebackers. Like yeah. their linebackers, they run a 3-4. Mm-hmm. Their linebackers are not particularly fast. Uh, and so if you are spying Mahomes, like if you notice, Mahomes got out and ran for a bunch of first downs. Right. Throughout this game. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, a lot. He had, he led the team in rushing with mm-hmm. 53 yards rushing on eight carries. Yeah. And so he's averaging a little over six and a half a carry because they are putting a slow linebacker on an athletic guy who is more than willing to get out in the pocket and get that corner on you and, and just pick up the first down. And then he gets the first down and goes out of bounds, which by the way, great coaching. Right. You don't, you don't tell him to get any extra yards. You say, Hey, save your body, get out of bounds. Right. And so it's very different for a team like the Colts when they play the chiefs who can, they have the fast middle linebacker. Like they have Darius Leonard who can sit there and spy him and then run him down, and it's a three-yard loss, not a 12-yard gain. Right. And so, yeah, I thought the Titans' game plan on defense was questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a lot you can do outside of that. Like, that's the thing. It's probably the best they could have done, given the personnel they had. Yeah. And everybody sat there and talked about, oh, the Titans are a really bad matchup for the Chiefs. And I said, you know, they're a bad matchup for the Chiefs' offense to defense. Like right. Tennessee's offense has the better matchup against the Chiefs defense. Right. But the Chiefs offense with the speed and the playmakers that they have mm-hmm. is not a good matchup for the Tennessee defense. No, because you know that if if I tell you if you ask me who are your receivers and I tell you it's Kelsey, Watkins, and Hill, and you say, Are they healthy? I say, Yeah. You say, oh, shit, like, this is going to be a long day now, right? Like, we... uh, Yeah, like, that's the thing, is they, the Tennessee, they don't have the corners Mm. to line up and go man-to-man against Watkins and Hill. And this is where the Colts lucked out, is week five, Hill was out or just coming back. Right. You know, I think it's a very different game. You know, both teams fully healthy. Right. Um, I think I think it's a particularly challenging game moving forward, right? So now you have. I don't think it's as challenging because I think that you know with the Chris Jones you know playing for the Colts next year, (laughs) you know I think that the Kansas City defense is going to be a little bit easier to run in the Colts defensive (laughs) line. You know, as Chris Ballard said, you know the three technique drives this thing. Right. Got a like guy like Chris Jones in there that's just collapsing pockets, and and they get another defensive tackle in there. Or, yeah. or pair him next to Autry. Yeah. Ooh, that'd Oof. be fun. 
And so we're saying now that we've, I'm basing this off the little clips I saw and the rough opinion of a few of our colleagues. Don't be surprised that the Colts don't take a quarterback in the first round. Uh, you never know. Um, our perceived value of things and their actual real life worth uh, aren't necessarily on show right now. You got to realize if you're really good, you you, you got to kind of figure out what you're trying to put out there right now. Um some of these guys are playing their best ball. I'm hearing a lot of good things about Herbert. Um, and I, I'm not, in my under, to my understanding, Joe Burrow is not working out right now. No, no. He uh, respectfully declined. Yeah. Um, contacted Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl and said, hey, look, I want to spend some time with the family. Mm-hmm. have more college football season. And I think that's a good idea for him. You know, it would have given the Bengals an opportunity to coach him up yeah. a little bit because I feel like Nagy would have put him over there with the Cincinnati coaching staff. Um, but yeah, it's a, you know, I think that's a smart move for him. Why risk the injury? You know, you're going number one overall. You know, even no, pretty much no matter what happens, right? unless he has like some catastrophic injury that he just fell down the stairs. <laughs> and then you immediately kind of question New England, like, well, why did he fall down the stairs, Patriots? <laughs> he all of a sudden he falls and then they take him. Yeah. 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 And, and, come on, let's be real. Like, it's a joke, but you're like, well, oh, maybe, you know, I could see that kind of happening. Right. Like, that, and that then, sounds like sketchy. It sounds like New England. Absolutely. <laughs> I hate to admit that's true. Right. Um and then in the night game, the 49ers uh, beat the Packers 37-20 to 20, uh, in a rematch from earlier this year that the Packers lost, I believe it was 38-7 or something along those yeah, they lines. Got, they got crushed earlier this year. And I wanted to point out, because I'm a Purdue alum, that Raheem Mostert, 29 carries, 220 yards, and four touchdowns, absolutely ran all over that Green Bay defense and showed you that even with great quarterback play, uh, it's not it's not always great, not always as good as you needed. Uh, 31 and 39, 326 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Costly interceptions. Very like, costly interceptions. What going into the Green Bay this Green Bay possession um, before halftime? Mm-hmm. So after after the the Green Bay fumble and they were down seventeen, San Francisco got a field goal off that. That Green Bay possession right there with like yeah. a minute and a half left or so, two minutes left. Mm-hmm. I thought if Green Bay could score there and get that touchdown and they they were doing all right like they had three plays for 19 yards so they were pushing the ball down the field Mm -hmm. um you know had a 19 yard pass to start then complete pass and then that interception but had they been able to score there and then they started the third quarter that doubled up it would have been 14 to 20 rather than 27 to zero going or it would have been you know, seven to twenty at halftime rather than twenty-seven zero. So it was a fourteen-point swing there. 
Yeah. And it it would have made it a ball game at least because you know you start the third quarter, you're down twenty to seven, then you score and you, you get to twenty to fourteen. You know, right. you at least can keep pace with that. But you know, at that point in the game, it was just just real tough for for Green Bay to come back from it. And it just Kyle Shanahan, he gets a ton of credit and deservedly so, but he found what was working and just stuck to it. Yep. And great for the the Purdue alumni or he most art. Um, I don't know how how to actually pronounce his name, but let's be real, me and names are not not friends. Right. Um, just in general. Um, so what I love about Kyle Shanahan though is that he found out that. Green Bay just simply couldn't stop the run. Right. And he's like, all right, we're just going to keep running it. And Jimmy Garoppolo said after the game, when they said, hey, you went six for eight for 77 yards, why didn't you guys throw more? He said, we didn't need to. No, you didn't. You know, <laughs> like, sometimes we, we didn't you need had... to throw more. <laughs> we just kept running, and, and they couldn't stop it. So we just kept going with it. It's kind of like uh, Quentin if Nelson's I... dream. If I remember correctly, and I'm only speaking from watching a little tape where Shanahan was kind of showing uh, what I believe is like a, a zone blocking scheme uh, to the San Francisco offensive line. Uh, and then they highlighted the, the the like the practice tape and then compared it directly to what they did on offense. And it was perfect with like the, you know, they did like the ghost version of a video and then overlaid what the tape they got in real time and it matched up almost in perfect sync uh, where, you know, like this right guard needs to get to the second level and cut off this linebacker here. And then in X amount of time. And, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're going to pull the guard, the backside guard and he's going to check the middle linebacker inside. And then we're going to run on their backs. And so the, you know, the tackle is going to block, you know, try to get inside leverage uh, on the end and push him outside. And we're going to try to run through that gap that would be called like a power. Right. And except he was explaining to them, like, it, it's, it's not something, I think it's something I, well, Let's be serious. Not every football team does that. I just thought about that. Not every football team does that. They wouldn't even put that in unless they knew they were just bigger uh, and were better blockers. So what they did was they just assessed that their defense was probably not big enough is what I what I think. And you just you could get leverage somewhere and call out where you were just bigger and meaner. Right. And just run it that way every time five, six yards. I mean, it's like know, the Colts that, running it to the left. Yeah. Or, exactly, or exactly. having them pull, pull a Quentin Nelson going to the right side. Right. Like the, the joke dream that I've talked about now in the past couple, couple episodes is Derek Henry getting signed by the Colts and having him run an outside toss with Quentin Nelson leading the way. And then just everybody on the defensive backfield just falls to the ground as business decisions. <laughs> who wants to go into Quentin Nelson and then if you get past Quentin Nelson, you have to try to get down Derrick Henry. It's like it, it, just a ridiculous uh, piles of meat that are just going straight at you that you can't stop. I wonder if 
Now, I, you can tell me I'm wrong and that won't happen, but we could, we could see that in the Pro Bowl, right? Derrick Henry running oh, yeah. behind Button Nelson. Is that not a possibility? That would be... That could be a possibility. So that could be the starting of a relationship, you know what I mean? mean? Like, All of a sudden, Derrick uh, Henry's like, you know what? This seems like this might be a really fun thing to do every single week. Yeah. Um, we're in uh, hashtag draft season. So, of course, uh, I think for the Packers, we've got to break up the Smith brothers. Uh, before that gets another year to develop. Um, I'm kidding. They're they're part of the reason they got as far as they did. Um, but yeah, I, I had said up front that I felt like the Packers had Aaron Jones. And I couldn't even tell you who the starting running back for San Francisco was. And obviously we found out who their their hidden weapon was, right? Um, well, I, the funny thing is, I don't think Mostert gets that that type those type of carries if Coleman doesn't like break his. It looked like he broke his arm. Right. I don't know what what he officially what officially happened with that, right. but if Coleman doesn't get injured, I, I couldn't have told you which one was starting either. Like Matt Breda, right. Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert. I know all three of them have played right throughout the season and played really well it's just you never mm-hmm. knew which one to start in fantasy so you just never started any of them exactly because you have no idea which one's gonna get 29 carries for 220 yards and 17 touchdowns which i think was <laughs> raheem mostert's stat line he's, he's close to 17 touchdowns i think maybe crazy um meanwhile uh Devontae adams uh, nine receptions for 138 yards. Uh, and Kittle, again, a catch for 19 yards. Uh, so like I'd said, uh, in, in again, what is not entirely betting on a whim, uh, I'd said if I, if I was going to bet, I'd bet on the tight ends. And then both those tight ends won, but also neither of them played a significant role role in the games they won so it's like i'm right but i'm wrong even (laughs) and here's the thing with kittle i think you're right i think you're right with kittle but not for the reason that you initially thought right because kittle is such a kittle's basically an offensive lineman in the way that he blocks yes and so that's one of those things where picking kittle you also have that that aspect to to go into the analysis where right yeah he's a good receiver but he's maybe a better blocker right um and so that kind of goes into the whole passing game and remember kittle you know got you know one target for 19 yards right but as a reminder they only threw eight passes so he got what 17 percent of the passes yeah on his way debo samuel three targets so that's just under like 40% of the passes yeah. thrown his way. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> they just didn't throw the ball because you had an offensive line. You had George Kittle in there that were able to block and get everybody off the line. There's right. San Francisco had a great game plan. And like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas city and San Francisco match up because let let's be real outside of like the nostalgia of having Brady and Breeze in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. this was probably the most enticing matchup maybe you could argue San Francisco Baltimore 
Um, yeah. But let's be real. If you're going to pick between Baltimore and Kansas City, you kind of want to see Mahomes over Lamar Jackson, unless yeah. if you're a, a Ravens fan, obviously. But right. I think for the national media, you know, this is a much better story. This hopefully will be a much better game. Absolutely. And now here's what we're looking at now. So we talked at length here about the conference championships. We're looking ahead to the Super Bowl. But we're not going to talk at too much length about that because we will have another episode uh, between yeah, now and then. We've got another episode next week that we think might be a better lead-in for the Super Bowl since the Super Bowl is obviously two weeks away. Yeah, Sunday, February 2nd at 6.30 on Fox uh, in Miami. Uh, guys, the 49ers and Chiefs will play. Uh, seems good to me. San Francisco is definitely the best of the um, the best of the NFC. And Kansas City is awful hot right now. I'm afraid they beat just about everybody. And that's pretty much how I look at the game. Uh, Vegas says right now, I believe I saw San Fran as a seven-point favorite. Um, but what we really want to talk about today is the Senior Bowl uh, that our guys are at right now. So if you're in Mobile for the uh, Senior Bowl, Zach Hicks is there. Carter Donick is there. Chris Shepard is out there. Help me, brother. Who else is out there? I think that's it for us. Yeah. Um, Stephen Holder's down there for the athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a couple indie star guys are down there asking about whether they're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Um, and, and then um, that was a joke, by the way, because that's all they ever ask uh, for anybody <laughs> right. that that cares that's like the only question they ask so quarterback position you guys gonna what do you guys think about the quarterbacks this year oh yeah we like a lot of the players okay so that's great what about so maybe you guys think about drafting a quarterback this year what are your thoughts on that (laughs) well we're we're gonna go through everything we're gonna talk about you know we're gonna go through the process just like we would any other year right so yeah anyway um yeah we've got a bunch of guys down there if you see them um, say hi, take a Absolutely. selfie with them um, if you're down in Mobile and and want to find them. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it um, for for them. But yeah, no, they we've got we got a bunch of great guys down there. Um, Zach Hicks is doing interviews with prospects. Uh, he did it last mm-hmm. year um, and got a lot of insightful information. Um, Chris Shepard. Uh, Got a couple questions into Jordan Love, um, okay. which I, I know is a big, a big talking point right now for all of us because we all want to know a little bit about Jordan Love if we can. Yeah. Um, and so he made a made a comment, and this is I don't think this is necessarily breaking news, um, but he went up to Chris uh, Shepard went up to, to Jordan Love after um, the the interview session, and you can find this on stpblue.com yeah um and said you know hey you know have you met with the colts and uh love said he hadn't met with them yet but they did have a meeting scheduled and so um they are 
doing their due diligence on quarterbacks, which is what we all kind of expected. Yeah, absolutely. At the same time, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. Just trying to get this figured out, see where everybody's at, and and go from there. Um, So I I do think it's it's telling that the Colts are watching um, the different quarterback prospects um, that are out there. So you want to go over uh, some stuff on the senior rule then? Yeah, so right now, um, I believe today was a the end of day yesterday was a media day, and I think they started the day on media today too. Um, so these kids are really getting their first, probably for a lot of them anyway, a lot of their first real TV exposure because not all of the kids that go to the Senior Bowl are like. Um, award win award finalists, not necessarily, right? So these are just guys that yeah, graduate, uh, a lot of them aren't, right? A, a lot of them are because because a lot of these awards will go to the top juniors. Yeah. Um, like for example, you know the Blitnikoff Award went to yeah. uh, Jamar Chase at yes. LSU, who's a, a sophomore, sophomore. going to be a junior. Yeah. Um, and so you'll see a lot of these collegiate awards go to those underclassmen that aren't eligible for this, the senior bowl is a, a great opportunity for guys that have graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, either they are seniors and they are graduating at the end of this year, or they're juniors that have completed what they needed to, to graduate. Right. Um, and that's how like, for instance, Jordan love is, is here is because he's completed all the coursework he needed to graduate. Um, and even though he was a junior this year, he's able to, um, compete in the senior bowl and so it gives an opportunity for players that have met their uh, that have graduated from college or will get their degree an opportunity to come down here and compete and get meetings with scouts um mm-hmm. and team personnel and, and just kind of get their face in front of people which yeah any kind of networking opportunity that's the best thing you can do right is get your face in front of people um, and get to meet them you know face to face and so the biggest thing I think for the senior bowl is, is going through these drills because this is the top senior bowl is some of the top talent of the seniors um, yeah. that are entering the draft. You've got, you know, the, the Herbert and Jordan love and Jalen hurts and mm-hmm. Anthony Gordon, you know, they're at the quarterback position. So you get an opportunity to see how they play in a similar environment. Yeah. And it gives you an opportunity to really kind of break it down and, and see those top guys go against each other. So like Justin Herbert had a really good first day, you know, did really well in the meetings, did really well in the interviews uh, from everything we've heard um, was head and shoulders, the best quarterback. Oh yeah. There. And that's what I've heard. That's, that's been almost a unanimous thing um, is there, there's been a handful of guys that really kind of showed out mm-hmm. um, Justin Herbert um, quarterback from Oregon. Yeah. John Kinlaw, the defensive tackle. Um, uh-huh. from, um, and then you've got uh, K.J. Hill, uh, the Ohio State wide receiver. Uh-huh. Uh, was another guy that almost unanimously got love. And same thing with Van Jefferson, uh, the wide receiver from Florida. Um, those are the, the main guys that that I heard had, you know, were kind of like winners for the day. Yeah. Um, and those are the big ones. The good thing with KJ Hill is uh, first, you know, he's a wide receiver. 
mm-hmm. Colts position of needs. He's also from Ohio State, which we know the Colts are going to draft an Ohio State player this year because they draft one every single year. <laughs> so he would be the most likely one that they would draft if that, that were an option. Yeah, I guess I just started thinking about this in terms of how a guy's drafted and marketed has a lot to do with where you're from. So when we talk about Joe Burrow going to basically going home to Cincinnati, Southern Ohio, right? He's from Southeast Ohio, right? So uh, similarly, when the Colts draft Quentin Nelson, right? And he, and he's not the flashiest pick on the planet, but he's certainly uh, the foundation for, a great offensive line and a great run game, right? Um, and the thing uh, with the, the Senior Bowl is, so this is basically the lead-up to the combine, right? So what what happens, the way I've seen it, is kids on the fringe can potentially play, potentially, keep this in mind, you could play in a conference championship game you could then also play uh, in the Shrine game. You play well in the Shrine game, you get to play in the Senior Bowl. You play well in the Senior Bowl, and you're even on the fringe of getting invited to the draft, right? You could earn yeah. a combine invite with another workout, which makes me that that sequence of events yeah. makes me want NCAA football, the video game, to come back. So if we could go ahead and get that trending, that would be a fun playthrough to begin your career or whatever. Um, maybe that's probably better for Madden. But um, well, you think the, about- the Senior Bowl is that last opportunity for these guys to really yeah. go against live talent mm-hmm. um, impacts. Yep. And so this is this is a this is a big thing for Chris Ballard. Oh yeah. Um, he loves senior bowl players. I think uh, yeah. somebody said nine out of Chris Ballard's 21 draft picks have been players that they saw at the senior bowl. You know, you've got guys like Rocky scene and Darius Leonard yeah. that really kind of came on at the senior bowl where they actually yeah. got to go up against that top level competition. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see guys from those lesser conferences and, and from, you know, for example, um, the uh, Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic, the tight end. Yeah. Uh, he came and played well. Um, or Anthony Gordon, uh, Grady Golden, the wide receiver out of Liberty. This okay. is their opportunity to come in, play well, get an opportunity to see for, for people to get their eyes on you mm-hmm. um, that maybe they didn't before, or maybe they questioned the lack of talent at right. your level. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big that's the big take that you see a lot with Jordan Love is, oh, well, he played at Utah State. You know, what what kind of talent was he going against? And that's a lot of people's big knock on him. Right. This is the opportunity for people to come in show you're a gamer, come in, play hard. Right. Show that you are you're worth it. You're worth their investment into you. And that the senior bowl is that last opportunity um, for them to do it in kind of like live action and people need to understand that the senior bowl, the practices matter a whole heck of a lot more than the game. Right. Um, 
because what matters is how you do in practice, right. how you do in the meetings, how you do in the interviews, things like that leading up to the senior bowl. Kind of like the combine, you know, it's a, it's a big spectacle and they've put some of it in prime time now with certain position groups. But the biggest thing for the combine is the interviews. Right. Um, it's the interviews and the medical checkups. Right. Because you want to make sure, one, they're healthy. You know, it's like Montez Sweat last year. He was widely considered a top 10 guy, top 10, right. top 15 guy, but he got red flagged with a potential heart issue, dropped him down to 26, where Washington traded up with, uh, traded up with the Colts to yeah. go get him. And so the Senior Bowl, um, though, it is important for that last that last step for players. Did I read this right, that Rock Yassin was, like, top eight in the league in the last, like, eight games he played or something like that at his position? Like, in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's... that's probably close to it. Like, he, yeah. he wasn't... That's what people, after that Denver game, where he got just totally eaten up by Cortland Sutton. Flag. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got just destroyed by Cortland Sutton. After yeah, that he game, he settled down and mm-hmm. just played really, really, really well. And I, I think he had he got flagged for like one defensive penalty in the last eight games of the season. Yes. Um, up until, I think the last game he got, he got called for, for two, or two, um, two pass interference calls or a defensive holding call. Um, yeah. But leading up to that, he he was rock, no pun intended, rock solid. Right. Um, and so, and, and he was a guy that at the Senior Bowl, I believe that's right. Like they've kind of got his his eye on him at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Um, and was able to go ahead and and interview him, kind of get to know him. Yeah. And so, you know, and yeah, he he was there at the senior bowl last year, Debo Samuel was another guy last year that, that really showed out. Mm-hmm. And so you got to take that into, into account as a Colts fan. Right. Because it matters for Chris mm-hmm. Ballard. Yep. And the guy you draft first is the guy you think has the highest ceiling in the next four years. Right, so you're trying to get value at 13. Uh, my my dream, of course, for the record, has become because I I've only seen like limited video of uh, the Senior Bowl. It's not well covered, for the record, um, as public as it is. It's not that well covered. Um, but a lot of a lot of the 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 girth in this draft is a plenty. And I have a feeling, um, I mean, they've told you up front, man, you build this thing from the the middle out. Um, It wouldn't surprise me to see the Colts take a big boy uh, early in this draft. And keep this in mind. I was thinking about this as part of our podcast today. We still don't know what's going on with Anthony Costanzo. So amidst all our pre-draft predictions, by the way, so everybody up to this point can just eat it. You know, I haven't put out any draft predictions publicly because I don't know what's going on with Anthony Costanzo. And that drastically affects what I'm about to do in this draft. It's like I just got done saying, don't be surprised if the Colts take a big boy because, hey, check this out. 
don't be surprised if Anthony Costanzo retires and then we immediately have to replace that left tackle. And then we have to do that at 13. That's probably a lot more realistic, fellas, that a guy like Jordan Love could fall to the second round. Because what I've heard about him, if I am seeing this correctly, is that he did not have the best of days, that he seemed like a kind of a middle round it was player. Just like, no, well, here's the thing is it was just like his 2019 tape is that he had some throws where you just, your jaw dropped to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're just like, wow. Okay. That's crazy. But on certain throws, he was high and inaccurate. And so it's just, you know, it, it kind of confirms kind of what you've seen in tape and that he is not, it, it's what we've said all along with Jordan Love, is that he's not a finished product. He right. needs to work on his mechanics. He yeah. needs to sit a year to get a good good idea about the system and feel comfortable in it. Uh, and so you just that's the tough part is like Justin Herbert came in and was pinpoint accurate. You know, he's they say he's every bit of the six six that he measured in at. They both have huge hands. Justin Herbert had ten inch hands. Um Jordan Love had 10 and I think five eights, which is just beyond huge yeah. for a guy that's six three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and for those that don't know, hand size matters for the quarterback um, right. for a couple reasons. First, obviously, is ball security because you got bigger hands, you're able to, you know, more more surface area on that ball. Um, so it's going to be harder for defenders to knock it out. The other thing is on quick throws, you're not always going to be able to have the laces. And so you need to be able to have those big hands to grip the ball and get it out if you don't get your your fingers on the laces like you normally would on a pass. Um, Jared, I think, you know, you as a quarterback can attest to that and might be even better equipped to to describe it. Yeah, I think what we're what you're looking at, if you're looking at these quarterbacks, isn't on a we're not we're no longer looking at your completion percentage. Uh, we're looking at things that you can build from, not just things that you see that make your eyes drop, right? You know, your jaw drop, as it were. Um, The reality is what you want to see out of these guys is their ability to, to easily complete all of the range of throws that you could beg out of them on an offense in a timely fashion, Uh, some against air, some against a uh, padded player and they play skeleton and there's all it's all kinds of day-to-day training but my overall evaluation of a player is just going to be based primarily on first down throws and third down throws is what essentially I'm tracking right so best I can tell you and this is somebody that I wasn't recruited this way I went to uh the coaches at Purdue and asked what is the process to walk on, right? So I have a completely different experience than a lot of these kids, right? So I wasn't heavily recruited and things like that. It means people weren't at my games watching my tape. Um, But the way that they've been evaluating kids like Jordan Love forever are based on what I would call a first down throw, which is a three-step drop fade. Um, It's just called a first down throw. Like, if you can just 
drop back and set your feet and huck and you can throw it on the good side at 65 yards uh that's draft material baby is you can throw dimes uh and they're generally going to be um looking at throws uh, to the open side, right? So that's their early evaluation is the first down ball. And then what they're really evaluating you on third down is like, can you also complete the 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 slant in? Here's the formation though. And we're going to throw the slant here. Uh, can you get the ball out in under two seconds um, is another primary test that they're getting these kids um, uh, under center and, and, being able to run a uh, multiple offense. Uh, they're going to do a lot of RPO uh, training just to make sure these kids are well-spoken. So as much as the senior bowl is um, being turned into a marketing vehicle uh, to, to raise its profile um, obviously makes their sponsor Reese's really happy, right? Like who wouldn't want to be part of this right now? Um, where they're really starting to commercialize the Senior Bowl, where they haven't. For the record, the the coverage keeps getting better. It's not great now, uh, but for the longest time, the Senior Bowl is largely confined to text, uh, and there wasn't a lot of video or even audio of the Senior Bowl uh, really to be found. Uh, and that serves the same purpose as the Shrine Bowl. So, of course, the hope is, for me, uh, as someone who kind of begs goodwill, right, uh, is that if the Senior Bowl gains popularity to the point where it gets uh, televised, then that means there's, hey, what about the Shrine game, right? If it gets televised, you get another game of tape on these players in kind of an all-star environment uh, where a lot of these guys have a lot to offer, uh, and you can get caught up um, in these meetings in the day-to-day -day stuff and that's largely the test is for these kids uh, to be able to handle all the appearances they have to be at, all the media, uh, without showing some, you know, you got to have a lot of functional adults because these guys are getting bet millions of dollars are getting bet on you. Um, you've really got to sh show up and show out, right? And uh, you got to show that you can do it on the field. You got to be able to do it on paper. And then you got to show that enough for them to build a profile of you right beyond just your your uh college awards uh and like i said a lot of these guys so best i can tell you is it's about 50 50 on whether an award winner will actually be one eligible for the draft because keep in mind a lot of awards are given out to underclassmen too the people that aren't just seniors they're just the best player right and that guy could stick around for his senior year about half the people drafted in the first round are seniors. So when we're talking about this in context, what we're actually talking about is that you can expect about 11 total people that you see this weekend are going to be the first at their position drafted or second person in their position drafted uh, at the highest density. So you're going to see the most other than a game, I think, like, LSU, uh, Alabama, I think, had a lot of NFL talent in it, and obviously the national championship. But more importantly, Ohio State and LSU have a ton of first-round NFL talent on those two teams. Specifically, that's what I'm gleaning from the Senior Bowl, by the way, is that Ohio State and 
what I just say. Ohio State and LSU are just deep, uh, laden with NFL-ready talent. Uh, and we've been talking about that, whether directly or indirectly, for the better part of a month now, right? Is Ohio, We talked about Ohio State because of the college football playoff. We talked about that, right? So um, Ohio State and LSU are, have sent several guys uh, to the Senior Bowl. Um, and yeah, I, that's been something that's been on my mind here lately is uh, we still don't even know what's going on with Anthony Costanzo. So don't be surprised if we have to end up going after a tackle. If we do, who are we going after? Let's look at a 2020 draft NFL tackle. Yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting if we're going to have to go after a a tackle because you're most likely the yeah. top three tackles are going to be gone at that point. At 14, like Willis, Thomas, and Worfs are probably all going to be gone. So you're looking at a guy like Makai Becton the offensive tackle from Louisville, who's shooting mm-hmm. up boards right now. And then after that, you're probably waiting until the second round. Yeah. Um, because you've got guys like uh, Prince Tiga, Wanogo, Trey Adams, Austin Jackson, Shadik Charles, and Lucas Niang yeah. are kind of your next your next set of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Makai Becton... Makai Becton is going to be an interesting prospect. Um, he's the offensive tackle out of Louisville. Mm-hmm. He is a mass amount of man. Um, yeah. He's 6'7", 270, based, or 3, 369, so at 370, yeah. apologize. Basically, yeah. Um, but he is at, like, just super quick feet, able to get into a set really quickly, and so makes it tough to get around. Plus, he's ginormous, and so... It, 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 he's just a mountain of a man that if you can put him on the left side, like you've got a, a force there that you can, you can rely on that for a while. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, if Anthony Costanza re- retires, maybe they go that direction. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this is the, the fun last infuriating part about the draft is that you're going to have, at 13, you're going to have a chance to get an elite guy if they fall out. Um, or do you reach for somebody that right. you think could be great, but you're not sure? And so, you know, the offensive tackle position is that that kind of thing. Like Willis, Thomas, and Wirth should all be gone by the Colts pick at 13. Mekhi Becton might. Now, if you have four tackles go in those first 12 picks yeah, and you expect three quarterbacks to go in those first 12 picks, so you've got seven out of 12 going to quarterback and offensive tackle, and then you can almost guarantee that the Chase Young is going to go, so that's eight. Jeffrey Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State, so two Ohio State defenders, that's nine. Um and then you've got what the interior defensive line position. Mm-hmm. You've got a Derek Brown that might be available. You've got, yeah. you know, potentially um, a you know Christian Fulton, Isaiah Simmons, C.D. Lamb, Gary Judy, Javon Kinlaw. Any of those guys could be in there in those other three spots that go in the first round. So 
or do you reach and take Jordan Love at 13 because you see the traits? Um, you know, and, and that's kind of the the interesting thing about the, that's what I think is the most interesting thing about the draft, right? Is the kind of cat and mouse game that you play. Right. Right. And like I said, everything that we, we talk about every week can be completely derailed. Uh, Anthony Costanzo could also choose to retire, and this all kind of goes by the wayside, and it changes your priority in the draft. And, you mean, you, I could even see a scenario if the if the value is there, even trading back out of 13 uh, if Anthony Costanzo retires. Because like I said, you're going to need to replace him. Uh, and then you've also got some holes. Uh, I feel a little better, I guess, thinking about, is it Ture uh, coming back uh, along that defensive yeah, Ture's, Ture's coming back. And when Ture went out, he was actually, and again, as a disclaimer, I hate pro football focus. And right. I think their grading is ridiculous. But he was their top graded pass rusher. Uh, oh, really? TJ Watt. Um, when he went down uh, based on his kind of their win percentage. And so he was having, he was having a great season up until that injury. And yeah. the crazy thing, and we talked about this after, after the chiefs game, when, when Terry got injured is craziest thing is that that's the exact same injury that happened to Dries Fountain. So you've got two young guys from the same draft class that, had the same kind of freak injury right that will be recovering basically like a month apart mm-hmm. like no two months apart because fountains happened in early august and then terrace happened in mid-october early october yeah um and so it, it's just kind of kind of mind-blowing that that's happening but the good part is they're going to be able to rehab together it was kind of why uh like Deion Kane had that same situation where there was another young player and the names escaping me that he was able to rehab with. Um, it might have uh, been. Like in the cold soccer room, is it Reese Fountain? I don't think it was Reese. Um, oh, is it Rogers? Reese was, I don't remember who it was. I, well, it might have been Reese. But it was, it was somebody that was young that had also gotten injured. Um, mm-hmm. And they were kind of going through the same same process so they were in the training room together they had that person to work with to motivate them to you know, because being injured and being put on ir that basically takes you away from the team um in a lot of ways because you're restricted on what you can do mm-hmm. you have to go to the training room to get treatment constantly you go into rehab so you're not like always in the weight room with everybody else so you're basically separate from the team during that time. And it's, it can be really hard on players. Um, you know, that was the biggest thing with Andrew Luck when, when he was away, like he wanted to be in the locker room and be around his, his guys, his boys. And he wasn't, and that really ate at him. Um, you know, and Deion Kane talked about that in the, the video series that, you know, one of the hardest parts is being away from everybody. So it's good that those guys, you know, it sucks that they both got injured, but it's good that they're able to at least have somebody there that they're able to work out together. Absolutely. Have somebody to go at it with. 
to see what you know the what the best that they can get out of you is. So, I I think it's pretty blatant the Colts are going to have to draft at wide receiver. I think the running back stable looks fine because your your backup running back. Um, oh, what's the little guy's name? I say Naheem little guy. Hines. Naheem, Naheem Hines. Hines. Yeah. Um, is like a Darren Sproles uh, type player. So he's a suitable backup. Uh, and then Marlon Mack hey, had a great season rushing the football. Uh, so the foundation is there. I think it's, yeah. I think what we've, what we've been saying, we just have to come to terms with the fact that, Hey man, Jacoby's the day one starter 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now, unless bet- somebody just straight up outplays him before day one. Uh, and I count the preseason too, right? Like if somebody mm-hmm. like a Jordan Love that you bring in comes in and commands the offense and looks really good, obviously I'm not even saying start a, a guy you draft first uh, in the 13th round. That's a bit. That's a big bet. Um, that's not very likely. Yeah. Um, but my hope is that uh, Jacoby is Jacoby Brissett and just gets replaced in the first you know handful of games after a a nice transition where you you know he gets hit and he's kind of stumbling around and they're like hey just put the put the rookie in right and then maybe it's a jordan love type player comes in and just grasps the pro game uh naturally and is able to to push the colts offense forward uh, because again, like our primary problem is going to be on third and third and uh, sh- third and goal or third and short, effectively, um, where where you have to pass the ball in tight space uh, or you have to stretch the defense uh, when they show you a certain look, right? These are things that offenses have to be able to do, uh, and I think that means that even if Costanza comes back, then your focus is still. Uh, at the wide receiver position. So you could even see that being addressed at 13, especially if what we just talked about happens. And that is eight or nine of the picks in front of the Colts are quarterbacks and offensive linemen. And maybe maybe yeah. like a Simmons. Uh, a Simmons, a Chase Young, a, a Kuda. Right. So you're looking at like 10 of 12 picks in front that are kind of, not already determined, right? Those are likely picks. Those are um, those are th- sure things, right? Like yeah, you don't even like, you don't even have to say who is picking who to say that most of the picks in front of the Colts will be offensive line and quarterback, uh, and then there are a couple known quantities, right? Like we said, like Akuda, like Chase Young, um, that Kaziah you know, Simmons. Yeah, uh, and Simmons, who you, who you just sprinkled in there in your in your top ten or twelve, and remember the Colts are just drafting outside of that, so it's just one of those picks where uh, I could see the Colts going like wide receiver there uh, because there's a chance, and just like I said, I keep he- telling people, hear me out. Uh, Jordan Love just being available at the beginning of the second round, and then it's a gimme for the Colts, where it's like, mm-hmm. wow, no, nobody took him. 
there was no reason for any of those teams to take a player like Jordan Love, so he just fell, right? And let's just, hey, that's the world we live in, right? Um, and and the, we've just, we have enough information to suggest that the Colts are looking at the kid, and that's what we're essentially basing our picking him. I just, you got to remember, when when you for the longest time, your only access to the Senior Bowl was via text. And now we have little clips and there's a lot more video available. Uh, and again, I'm limited to what I'm reading and what I'm seeing. But a lot of the things that I read were uh, that he had a middling performance. Right. Well, just think about how raw the kid is. If you think he's got potential uh, that at some points he was making throws that made your jaw drop. He just didn't do it every friggin' time. Okay. And that's right. what we've been saying. Too, is <laughs> okay. It, it's a, a consistency issue with him is right. He makes these throws that are Patrick Mahomes like, right? Uh, where he's you know off off his frame, he's r- taking a run and he just flicks the ball and it goes thirty yards on a rope, right? And you're just going, wow, that's that's really impressive, you mm-hmm. know. But as we've said, like pretty much, you know, without question is the biggest concerns we have are consistency and trying to get those mechanics so like every single time it's the same right and so it's decision making it's consistency it's mechanics that's why we've said if you draft a jordan love you have to intend to give him time oh for sure you have to you have to have him adapt to the pro pro league and that's that's the biggest step uh, yeah. Other, other and, than other than the Super Bowl and the combine and the draft itself, is the step up into the pro life and into the probably having to be at the facility like every day for the next six months, uh, and all, all but you know ninety nine point five you know ninety nine and a half percent of that is going to be unpublicized, right? You're just going to be working out at a facility uh, from the time you're drafted. Uh, and so you actually play, right? You're 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 largely just in an indoor facility. Um, so for a lot of these kids, this is their last football game uh, until basic what August, right? So the yeah, so August. This is I mean this is the last this is the last any kind of like prospect football game where you get to like put on pads and hit somebody, and right. so. And that's the, that's the biggest thing is this is the either the last time you're going to get a chance. Some people, it's the first time you're really going to get a chance right. to show. Um, that's kind of what, like what we talked about earlier is that's why this is a big deal is you get guys, you know, like Adam Troutman, the, the defensive or the tight end from Dayton who, you know, it's Dayton. They don't really play anybody right year. So this is his opportunity to get in and show that, yeah, he was, he was, playing really well and making all these catches, doing good and blocking drills, but against lesser talent. See if he can do it here, the senior bowl against division one talent, like the the top power five conference talent. I had a, a discussion the other day with with a, a buddy of mine um who I initially started out writing this when I when I first started writing for like Colts related stuff, um, started on their website, um truefans um dot com. Yeah. And he had made a comment about 
Jordan Love and dismissed him because he wasn't recruited by, like heavily recruited by any of the Power Five conferences. And I said, look, that's kind of a fallacy to, to make that argument. Like yeah. it's, not, it's not a wise argument to make because there are plenty of times where it's not a matter of, of where you go or not a matter of like when you're taken, but where you go and yeah. how you're coached up. Um, and regardless of where you went to school, there are a number of different different players over the past you know, X amount of years that went to smaller schools um, for whatever reason that weren't recruited by big conferences mm-hmm. that ended up being good pros. Oh, and absolutely. so like, don't take that into account. But you know, if they do go to a smaller school, you do have that question about level of competition. It's the biggest question that people raise with with Jordan Love beyond the pot issue, um, which I think is a <laughs> to me personally. Right. Um, but we're again, the only ones still talking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, guys, come on, seriously, like, just let it go. Like, I, I, I saw it the other day. Somebody brought it up. They're like, yeah, but I really question his decision making because of, you know, who smokes weed like the week before a bowl game. And I was like, probably like 90 percent of college football does. Um, yeah. If you really want to get down to the numbers. Uh, and and it was planted by Chris Ballard, like we said yeah. in our conspiracy theory set. Yeah, so, that's right. So that obviously might be why, um, you know, Jordan Love is throwing high and yeah. playing consistently this week is because he wants to fall to that that opening pick in the second round. Once the Colts to take a top wide receiver like a CD Lamb there at 13 to right. uh, give him a top a top wide receiver option to pair opposite T.Y. Hilton. And uh, it hey, I mean, I'm not gonna play. lie. That's that's my hope is that the right. that be the, awesome? the interest was sparked just enough, and I'm using that in in drug terms, har har, right? The interest was sparked just enough in Jordan Love that the rumor, of course, was Chris Ballard traveled to the Boise State Utah State game and essentially was watching uh, Jordan Love. Uh, yeah, that's a, that yeah, he got did to, travel to that game. We know that that was confirmed. He did travel to that game. We don't know who he was watching per right. se, but we all kind of speculate that it was Jordan Love. And that got the hype train rolling uh, for Jordan Love. In terms of uh, me as a Colts fan, I immediately just start uh, started watching his football games. I think I watched like the last four games he played and his bowl game. Uh, and I kind of try to translate what I saw uh, to the NFL. Uh, and it's like we've said all along, you're just betting on can you get five years or so of your highest potential out of a player? Because it's essentially what you're hoping for when you bet on when you bet on a kid. Right. Is largely mm-hmm. you're good for about five years. And you think about what you can you coach, what level can you coach a kid like Jordan Love too? Um, but like I said, my hope here is that with the little pot thing and then what I'm reading, what I, I have to just tell you what I see, uh, from other people is that he's not having a stellar outing here at the senior bowl. And then my hope selfishly is that he runs like a four, seven, three at the, at the combine and everybody's like, Oh, maybe he's not all there. Right. And then on draft day, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you what's gonna happen, man. Uh, he falls to the Colts in the second round, and we get him anyway with with like the 34th pick, and then everybody's like, oh, 
we ended up getting him anyway. So that, and when you think about drafting a guy in the second round, then you definitely know that he's not expected to be the starter uh, right away. Uh, he's a second round player. He's a, he's a prospect, right? He's somebody you're trying to develop potential in. Um, you know, like we've been saying all along. So we want to make sure that we keep pounding that button. So when it happens, uh, you aren't surprised that regardless of where, who the Colts take, where I think that there's a lot of big boys like this, uh, is it Javon Kinlaw is a massive human being. Uh, and comes... Yeah, he's the big guy. He, he really showed out really well Yeah. Um, this this week or, or in the first first day of practice. Mm-hmm. And him and Marlon Davidson, the defensive lineman out of Auburn, both were just wrecking balls there in the middle. Javon Kinlaw is a huge guy that is like 315 and – can yeah. dip his shoulder. There was one move that I saw him make on a, a guard that was kind of trying to uh, come through and, and get him that he just ducked his shoulder and went under kind of like an edge rusher. And mm-hmm. you just go, guys that are that big should not be able to do that. <laughs> like, that's just that's just what it is. Like, he shouldn't be able to make that play. He shouldn't be able to duck his shoulder and have that flexibility to get under. And the, the most intriguing thing with me is for Javon Kinlaw and the Colts and, and why I think that that South Carolina defensive tackle could be an option there at 13 is yeah. the comment from Chris Ballard's press conference into the year press conference where he said the three technique drives this thing, drives this defense. Yep. And that's kind of been in the back of my mind ever since he said that is he's not totally sold on Taekwon Lewis which right. he initially hoped would be that, that player um, right. and said Taekwon Lewis needs to really kind of show out this year to, oh, yeah. to show that he, he deserves to be on the roster mm-hmm. and that the Colts are likely going to be looking for that defensive tackle. That's why when we talk about free agency, why we mention a guy like Chris Jones, yeah. why we mentioned, uh, even though we mentioned DJ reader, but he's a, the, that nose tackle that, that two, two gap guy. Yeah, that will just eat up blockers. Um, but mm-hmm. the point of DJ Reader is, so then a guy like a Danico Autry can just play that three technique. Yeah, and they don't need to necessarily invest there. Um, but that's why we we made the comment about um, Chris Jones in free agency. Why we've talked about Javon Kinlaw being a potential option. Javon Kinlaw noted um, that. Carolina seems to be really, really interested in him. And yeah. Carolina picks seven. So I Kinlaw might not make it out around one. Yeah. Or at the same time, Carolina might be a trade up option. Um or let me say Kinlaw will not make it out of round one. Kinlaw may not make it out of the top ten, is what I yeah. meant to say. Um and so that might be a trade up option for the Colts if Carolina's really interested in him. Mm-hmm. And the Colts want to get in front of those other players. You know, they they'll probably make that trade um, to go from seven, I think it's seven, uh, to thirteen. Yeah. And now it's going to cost the Colts a bit. Like, it's probably going to cost the Colts their second second round pick. So, okay. Like that's where the the math comes out. The team A, so the the Panthers would give up about fifteen hundred points. Mm-hmm. Uh, trading the pick 44 and, okay. and pick 13 would be right at uh, 1610. So you're looking at a plus seven 
value for for Carolina, which is right about right about where they would normally take it. If you're looking at trading the first second round pick, pick 34, then you're looking at a plus 14 for Carolina. I don't see Ballard making that move. Um, <laughs> and that's only if they're trading up to get a quarterback, because per chance, you know, Miami doesn't take uh, Tua. Or there you go. San Diego doesn't take Herbert. Yeah. I, I don't think, based on what I've seen from Jordan Love right now, and the biggest thing for him was these practices, yeah. is he's showing inconsistency on his throws. He's throwing high at right. times. His, his footwork, um, from what I, I believe Zach Hicks has said, is, is a little bit erratic. And so it's the same issue that you kind of – thought might be there and so i wouldn't necessarily trade up for him in that situation i would wait for him at 13 and so when i talk about trading up with carolina it's for a herbert it's for a a tua not a not trading up for jordan love right now um because if if they can get him at 13 or better yet like you said if they can take a cd lamb at 13 and get jordan love at 34 or they trade back up to 22 um and and take him right in front of new england which would always be just bitter like just sweet justice right there um to take him away from new england um and only have to give up a third round pick (laughs) right four to 22 well then that's that's kind of what the the charts would say like if you're moving up from 22 um to 34 you're looking at you know giving up it's about an even trade it's you know whoever's it i don't know who's at 22 now that i say all this um but it gives you an opportunity to kind of move up in that situation who's buffaloes at 22 yeah so they would actually be very happy to keep new england from getting a quarterback um so i mean just throwing it out there that yeah, might be. Um, that may that may be something. I, that's something I think. You know, if, 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 if as long as we acknowledge up front that it's a, a fairy tale, and we're not at all talking yeah. about what we what will actually happen because we have no way to actually predict that. There, I can I can see a player like Tua not getting taken in the top five, and then it getting to a, like a seven, and I think a guy like Matt rule is just as likely to want to trade out of that to get more shots at it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Colts are in a position with two second round picks to have the goods to trade up if they need to trade 13 for seven plus your second, second rounder to get there. That's, that's a good trade. I'll, I'll make that trade. If, if I think I can get a player, for example, like Tua. Uh, by trading up and just making sure you're staying in front of your division, right? That, that's like rule one, right? Is if you're going to trade, trade that also af- potentially affects their board as well, mm-hmm. um, right? In, in, in the game of uh, spades we're playing. Um, yeah, and I think that's a great, great point that you started off with here is this is all hypothetical. Yeah, this is absolutely. not set in stone. This is not, oh, we know what's going to happen. Right. All of this is speculation. Any kind of trade or draft rumor um, that we hear, aside from Joe Burrow going one to Cincinnati, Chase Young going two to Washington, everything after that 
we don't know what's you don't you don't actually know what's gonna happen and, and every so every thinking. year's crazy things happen too where you're like oh there was yeah. your first like didn't see that coming um it's why it's taken too early uh happens all the time what if what if what is it detroit at three takes a wide receiver right like that blows the draft <laughs> they did that right for open three years in a row <laughs> see um, that's what i'm saying like history repeats itself uh that's the thing is, <laughs> there's a reason that nobody has ever picked all 32 first round picks correctly like because nobody knows nobody and knows. so when we talk about it we're we're making our best out of educated guesses Right. Best educated guesses off of what we know at the time we know it. And then what what I guess we can talk about a little bit here is uh, the Pro Bowl um, that we've got coming up. So I believe now the Colts have four players. Is that right in the Pro Bowl? I believe so. I believe yeah, they've got Jack, maybe Jack Doyle. More. Yeah, I think uh, Jack Doyle um, got added. Um, Darius, you know, Jacoby. Darius Leonard, and I don't think Jacoby is in. I thought um, he was in, in as in as an alternate or in late. Tannehill um, got Tannehill got added as an alternate. Oh, okay. Um, they probably bumped and, Jacoby. And so I don't know whether Jacoby got added in or not. I was thinking that it was, um, it was um, Quentin Nelson, and then Darius Leonard, um, Jack Doyle got added, mm-hmm. and then, um, gosh, was it Ryan Kelly? That it's um, believable. It got added to the roster. I have to. I have to. Let me check it out. Uh, so, yeah, yeah Ryan for the Colts replaces uh, Pouncey due to injury. Uh, okay. So you'll see a little bit of Ryan Kelly. You'll see a li- you'll see Quentin Nelson uh, most of the time. Uh, he's like second to Marshall Yonda. Um, and then Jack Doyle got added as a tight end. And. Let's see. Yeah, Darius Leonard at linebacker. Darius Leonard, so that's your four. Yeah. So there's your four. Um, and at as, this point, as an inside any... linebacker, by the way. Yeah, they finally changed him. Like yeah. they originally had him as the outside linebacker. Right. Um, outside linebacker, Sam. pass rusher, and he like, <laughs> made a he uh, rightfully threw a fit about it. He's like, "What's going on? I'm not. That's not what I play." Like right. I know I'm fast and I know I get after the quarterback, but that's not that's not my position. And they finally switched him over to be an inside linebacker, and he was able to obviously you know made the Pro Bowl this year because of it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's the, good the Colts are seeing a bunch of offensive line. You know, you, you see both Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson. Anthony Costanzo was the alternate, um, and so it's not super surprising that Costanzo didn't make it to the Pro Bowl after uh, the Ravens got beat um, because then you had you know, Jack Conklin, Taylor Lewan for Tennessee, and Mitch Schwartz. And um, I don't actually know who the Kansas City left tackle is um, now off the top of my head. Frank Clark? No, uh, he's their defensive end. Oh, no, that's, you're right. It's a D-end. 
Um, um, yeah, I don't know. But you, you, know, you guys, make it to the. Do you make it to the? I have no idea. Um, Chiefs. No. Ronnie Stanley, Laramie Tunsil. So the Baltimore Ravens had three pro bowlers on offense too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the important thing is the Colts have four this year, which is actually really good. It's Ryan yeah. Kelly's first pro bowl, I believe. Um, you know, Darius Leonard and Darius Leonard's first pro bowl as well. Um, and it's now the second for both Quentin Nelson and Jack Doyle. And yeah. so that's, a big thing for the Colts in terms of, and look, the Pro Bowl in terms of voting doesn't mean a lot because as we know last year, the, you know, Darius Leonard got snubbed despite yep. being defensive, you know, rookie of the year, being a first team all pro and somehow didn't make the Pro Bowl. So, you know, the voting for it is flawed. Let's, you know, not forget that, mm-hmm. but it's still a big honor for these guys. And, whatever reason they still include incentives for the pro bowl in a lot of their their contracts so it's going to give ryan kelly some at least some negotiating yeah i I don't think it really mattered with chris ballard right ballard's a guy that's really up front with everybody and says look this is the value i placed on you if you can get more elsewhere good for you do it oh Um, yeah if you can't this is what we've got for you right and so i don't think it changes ryan kelly's negotiating position at all with the colts Right. Uh, it just makes it so, you know, he's he's now a pro bowler, which is really cool for him. Right. And the Colts having an absurd amount of money. Like I said, I, we just want to make sure that we say going into the Pro Bowl that, hey, one of the things that I've observed as a, a sports fan, an NFL fan in particular, is the decline of the Pro Bowl. Uh, over time, similar to that of the decline of the NBA All-Star game. Um it's it's actual well, that's kind of why you're seeing them in implement all these like skills challenges right and like relay races and dodgeball and all of these things right. where you're they're trying to make it more entertaining for the fans and for the players right. to come to the pro bowl because now that they've taken it away from hawaii mm-hmm. people don't like you can go to florida on your bye week right and it's not that big of a deal going down right. to Orlando and right. going to the Pro Bowl down there. Um, so they're trying to make it more fun, trying to get more players to go right. um, for it rather than, you know, feign injury and say, hey, sorry, trying to trying to work this out. Everybody's injured at this point in the year. Regardless. Yeah. And so trying that's to get a, that's the big thing today. about the Pro Bowl, too, is that there are a lot of guys that get you know, it's enough to ask a guy to stay in shape another month, right? Um, going into the off season, but it's another thing entirely to have him play against other high level talent uh, in the in the Pro Bowl itself. So a lot of what I've seen lately are just guys really not putting a whole lot of effort out there, and you know, if somebody hits somebody, it ain't mean it doesn't mean anything. And it, hey, we're just trying to get through this. Uh, and largely, the Pro Bowls kind of left you actually with your nose turned up at the end of the year, like what a stinky product, right? Fortunately, uh, it's not after the Super Bowl, uh, and it's it's before the Super Bowl, <laughs> so we can get the taste out of our mouth uh, quickly. Uh, and like I said, we're going to have another episode next week that precedes the actual Super Bowl. Um, 
that's the hope anyway. Yeah, so we owe you we owe you an episode here. What do we say? Like the twenty eighth or twenty ninth, yeah, and the Super Bowl is on the second. Um and then yeah, we want to make sure, hey, if you if you follow us on Twitter, uh I'm at likely alien and this is Stephen Reed and he's at nice read R E E D Steve S T E V E on the Twitter machine. Uh if you've got any comment commentary for us, uh hit us up. Uh, so today we tried to cover the conference championships, talk about the Super Bowl, the Senior Bowl, and the Pro Bowl. Uh, and like I said, we're going to try to make this a weekly thing. Uh, so, uh, if, if you've got anything more, let's, let's dance. What you got, brother? I mean, we can talk about, you know, just instant reaction. Like guys we're looking for, like later on the week in the Senior Bowl. Like, obviously, we talked a little bit about – obviously, we talk a lot about Jordan Love at this point. Yeah. Um, but, like, other players that I want to see see how they do, a um, couple wide receivers. You know, K.J. Hill, obviously, was was one of them. Uh, Van Jefferson is a guy that I liked that showed up well in terms of route running. Denzel Mims is the wide receiver out of Baylor uh, that I'd be interested to see um, how he keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Bond, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Uh, he's a linebacker edge rusher, kind of a tweener. Yeah. Um, a guy, I, I really want to see if Jalen Hurts can turn it around. Um, I was going to say, I was going to bring that up. Read, yeah, everything I read about Hurts is he struggled mightily um, yesterday. And it right. wasn't, like, it was one of those things where you wanted to see this is kind of what we talked about throughout the, this episode mm-hmm. is you want to see how these guys perform out of their offense, you know, out of their comfort zone. Can they put it together right. against top competition and the quarterbacks themselves? It's a little unfair to a point because quarterback and wide receiver is a lot about timing mm-hmm. and knowing, you know, when that wide receiver is going to break that route. Um, so then, you know, this is when you throw it. You know, right. Some guys just have that like knack of knowing like this is when he's going. Um, some guys it takes some time, and it seems like Jalen Hurts, you know, might have been, you know, a product of Lincoln Riley's offense more right. so than it was about him being top player. If if he can't kind of put it together in days two, three, and four, mm-hmm. then he's probably looking at sliding out into like the later end of day two. So you're looking yeah. at round three you know, maybe as, as the ceiling for Hertz, um, most likely you're looking at him in, in round, round three, round four range. Um, and then you want to see a guy like Anthony Gordon. He's, he's erratic, which is Mm -hmm. kind of what you expected from him. Right. Um, you know, and, and yeah, so you want to see, see how these guys perform. You want to see that offensive line, defensive line, um, in the cornerbacks and wide receivers, those those are tend to be my favorite positions to watch in the senior mm-hmm. bowl because there's a lot of one on one matchups, um, right. especially the offensive line, defensive line. So you can really kind of see right. guys that are just powerful that can just mm-hmm. take it. Um, you know, Lloyd Cushenberry, the uh, center from LSU, uh, he played very well. He I think he was maybe the only guy to really kind of stand up Javon Kinlaw. 
yesterday. And so I want to see if maybe uh, he can continue. Yeah. And so I want to see if maybe he can continue to play well. Um, you know, Harrison Bryant, I mentioned that the tight end out of Florida Atlantic and Bryson Hopkins, uh, the tight end out of Purdue. I want uh-huh. to see how well they really kind of, how well they can show out um, in terms of their blocking and pass catching. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Zach Hicks uh, for Stampede Blue had mentioned uh, the Texas wide receiver Colin Johnson. Um, heading into the season, um, Colin Johnson was higher higher rated than Devin Duvernay, and yeah. so it's interesting that you know Colin Johnson now, Johnson is now kind of past him at this point in terms of how he looks here at the Senior Bowl. And again, you, you you put as much stock into this as you can, right? Um, because it is just one week uh, versus having a whole season of tape, and so you know you try to to balance that, um, you know. But I want to see you know Adam Troutman, Bryson Hopkins, like the tight end class at the Senior Bowl is actually pretty good, mm-hmm. um, and I expect the Colts to look at that position after letting. Um, letting everybody know that Eric Ebron's, you know, they're likely moving on. Right. Um, so, yeah. It's absolutely prudent to try to replace the player that you just lost them. Right. So along mm-hmm. the lines of quarterback and left tackle and also tight end, right. Eric Ebron's a hell of a weapon uh, in any offense. Uh, and, you know, I don't, obviously he won't be a Colt. So we wish him well wherever he goes, um after his 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 exit uh to the organization um but yeah that that room obviously looks really good now uh mm-hmm. even without eric ebron uh yeah because mo Ali cox is he's a solid player and he's gotten right. better every year and so now with an opportunity for him to really step in and make be able to get some playing time um, more so than what he was before. And you saw that at the end of the season, they started using him obviously in that two tight end set. And even throughout the season, and I think that was one of the things that frustrated Eric Ebron is that they would put Mowally Cox in instead of Ebron because Ebron wasn't interested in blocking. (laughs) And that's, I mean, it's such a frank thing to say, but he's just, he just wasn't interested in it. He could do it it's not what he wanted to do. You know, and Mo Ali Cox is that, that sponge. He's that little brother that follows you into the gym and just does whatever you do. So like right. he would constantly come in and, and, you know, work with Jack Doyle and, and ask questions and try to get better and everything like that. He wanted to do it. And um, yeah. So one of the things I think is, this is totally off topic, but it has popped in my head, which is basically you could probably say is the, the overarching theme of our podcast um for the past what year almost year uh past (laughs) eight months nine months yeah um how funny is it to listen to interviews of anthony costanzo jack doyle and andrew luck and that they all talk like you would imagine like them to talk they all talk like really similar and they're like hey yeah like (laughs) that all shucks style like right kind of yuckety like you kind of expect them to be in like 
a Disney style like parent trap movie. Yeah. And you're like, what's what's with these guys? This, these guys are funny. Like these right. guys aren't football players. These right. guys are rocket scientists, and <laughs> they, they don't play football. Um, but yeah, they're both they're all they're all obviously very intelligent. But it's just interesting to watch. Um, another guy that um, Zach had mentioned is, is a guy that stood out, um, and, and a guy that he really likes is Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian State or Appalachian State. Um, yeah, he had it right the first what, time. What, what con- country, part of the country you're from? Yeah, Appalachian. Appalachia. Appalachian. Um, no, Appalachian State. Uh, so one thing that I think is interesting with him is the length. Um, and so that's another thing that you're going to have people. There are certain guys, certain positions that we found with Chris Ballard that he prefers length um, more than anything else. Linebacker is one of those um you know safety he likes guys that are versatile um and so you're you're kind of getting that idea um with him where you can kind of focus in on a certain type of prospect um which i think is good and so a guy that i'd like to see them maybe look at a little bit late is akeem davis gaither um for appalachian state and and just kind of now i'm in my head with that whether i'm pronouncing it right appalachian it's just Appalachian. Um, You're fine. I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm <laughs> um, you know, and then you've got guys like, you know, the Washington tackle, um, Trey Adams. You know, he he played under Chris Strausser, the Colts' um, current offensive line coach, and so that might be one of those opportunities. Um, and so you know, he he couldn't he couldn't be down here because of a, an injury to the hamstring, but it's a guy that, that looking through the draft process, I want to see, you know, where the Colts go with him, you know, whether they look at him in round two, you know, maybe that hamstring injury keeps him out of the combine and he drops around three and you, right. you know, steal a guy that's a developmental guy that has played for your, your offensive line coach. And you can kind of work from there. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested to see, if guys can pick it up, like I said, Jalen Hurts, if he can, he can pick up. If if Jordan Love can be more consistent, um, and trying to see, you know, where he's at, because like, and that's the thing with Jordan Love is you saw different people who were all over the map with Jordan Love yesterday, because mm-hmm. he was either the best thing on the field, right next to next to Justin Herbert, or he was terrible, and so you're like, all right, well truth is obviously somewhere in between there but let's try to find out what it is um the one position that i think the Colts are pretty much set at that we don't really probably need to look too close at is running back like you said they've got a pretty good stable yep. there so i wouldn't be surprised to see them not take a running back this year in the draft mm-hmm. um and, and i think i think that, you could argue they're probably uh pretty good at pretty set at corner um as long as they know they're getting Kenny Moore back, because obviously he's, yeah. a, he's a highly important player uh, in that defense. Uh, but really, ev- just about everywhere else, a lot and a lot of it being offensive linemen. It's something I'm going to keep saying as we continue to talk about the draft: is don't just don't be surprised when it's a big boy. Like never be surprised. Yeah, it, I'd if, never if be you, surprised if it's a it's an edge defender prospect because you don't understand the value 
of a twitch athlete pass rusher brings to a defense well and, and it Just, you it keep counting to... those things because uh, acknowledging those things and pretty much everything else sets itself apart right it's get a quarterback and then you're going to need to rush a quarterback and one thing to, to consider this is the drop off in the defensive performance after Terre went down with yeah Colts. like they once Terre started getting going like they limited Kansas City, right? Um, and you know they had a great game plan there. Yeah, but once it was like arguably down, the the Colts' best defensive performance was against Patrick Mahomes, which tells you, uh, and again that's with a limited sample, that at its at its potential, uh, you hold the guys that are in the Super Bowl, uh, and beat them in Kansas City. Or beat him at Arrowhead. Um, that's that's how good this and and not just beat be. them, but like handed it to them. Yeah, like that game wasn't yeah. like Colts fans were like, all right, when when's it gonna happen? Right, but like they were in control that entire game. And the problem with once Teray went down is the Colts then had to rely on sending blitzes. They had mm-hmm. to rely on Darius Leonard instead of being in coverage, being a spy. They had to rely on other ways, sending the, the corner on a blitz, you know, sending a linebacker on a blitz versus just being able to line up and go. Right. And, and that changes what you can do defensively. It might be part of the reason why they were in zone you know, as often as they were. And, right. and why we sat there and go, said, why are they, why are they in zone against Drew Brees? Like, this seems right. like a terrible decision. Like, we get that, you know, in man, you're going to get beat sometimes, but zone, you're definitely going to get beat. Right. And, and I so, think there, yeah. there's a, there's merit to trying to take a player out of the game uh, defensively by the way you cover them. Um, and, of course, it just doesn't – that's that's the NFL is the, the one-two punches – Right, the if you can't stop this, they'll get you. They'll get you here. Uh, for Kansas City, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Right, for San Fran, it's any of a number of running backs that could really go off on you. It just depends on what they see when they come out. Uh, and then they have George Kittle, and they've got Debo Samuel's good for a couple plays on third down, where you, where you got to get a first down, and who you throw it to? Well, the fastest guy in the field, and he gets gets what you need, but you only need him to do it a couple times because they can't stop you running the football. So, it's like I said, we, we will still have a, a, a episode uh, before uh, the Super Bowl, but that's my early prediction for the record is I don't see, for the first time in a while, I guess I've, I felt this way about the Patriots. You know, I just didn't mean it when I said it, you know what I mean? Uh, but the 49ers are the most complete football team that I've seen in the Super Bowl in a long time, right? Where top to bottom, uh, they're ju- they're just good on both sides, uh, well coached and then well executed on the field of play. And then, like we said last week, with uh, a kid, I think uh, Mostert had played for six other teams. Before he played for the 49ers, if if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll eat it. But I'm pretty sure he had played for like six orgs before uh, 
coming to the 49ers uh, and, of course, has, you know, a game that will be remembered for a while on tape. Uh, 29 carries, 220 yards, like 10, 10 yards a carry, right? Like he just – he was feasting, right, in, in, in a super important game too, all just because of a look that they were getting. You know, which which obviously, if it's uh, three tight ends, so be it, right? Like, if that's what it takes to beat someone, uh, is just be bigger up front and run the football, make make them de- defend uh, a good zone blocking scheme. Uh, and if if you're getting away with it, you could, you could just run run people over. Uh, and and that's where we've said about Kansas City, because what Kansas City had turned the corner on is their pass rush. So remember the knock about Kansas City for a while is that uh, they had uh, given away their pass rush, right? Obviously Justin Houston becoming a Colt, right? As that ex- directly affects the Colts, right? Uh, the the Colts signed a Chief uh, off that defensive line. Um, Yeah, that's why I I brought that up is that what they hadn't solved is their ability to readily stop the run. Uh, and that just so happens to be San Francisco's strength. Uh, I believe they're the second leading rushing team in the NFL to the Ravens uh, in terms of rush yards per game. Um and obviously things will change. Guys will be injured. That's one of the things this time of year that, you know, is frequently uh, not told to you really when it comes to these championship games is who are we missing, right, out of these lineups uh, that would absolutely change the balance of a football game. And not and there isn't, not, not that there's any I can think of off the top of my head, uh, but just as we get closer to the game, uh, we'll also have guys that aren't able to go, uh, and that will change. That changes outcomes of football games, right? If it's a, you know, say an offensive lineman or, or a pass rusher or something, uh, if those guys are to be out uh, for the Super Bowl uh, in the next week or so, that that will affect uh, the outcome when it's played on on Sunday, February second, if I remember correctly, is the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yep, so we got the Senior Bowl going on this week. All the uh, a good, a significant portions. So I'd say about a third of our active staff in our Slack chat is currently in Mobile, Alabama, uh, talking to. I'm I'm looking at their uh, articles on Stampede Blue. We've got a few up uh, that guys have written about uh, their experience there in Mobile, um, and I think that's really awesome. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, we tried to get press passes uh, and were, you know, kind of deemed not relevant enough. Uh, so for them to send us an email this year and say, hey, we'll basically let it, you know, if you sign up for it, we'll give it to you uh, and get all our guys press passes for the Senior Bowl is awesome. Uh, and so just just like the Colts staff, uh, where they're taking a long, hard look at these guys that have made it to the Senior Bowl. And I just think it's really exciting. Like, we're about as close as we can get to being Colts staff, right? <laughs> right? We're, we're right. We, we I got colleagues that are in Mobile right now 
that are going to bring some great material there for you. And like I said, largely what we're what we're uh, orating to you is what of uh, what we're seeing on on Twitter. So of course, what may what I was trying to figure out is what was the weather like yesterday? Did they throw indoors? Is the environmental situation any any part of a, a factor or consideration in how those days went, or were they playing inside? And then there's no, there is no excuse for throwing high. Uh, for not getting your feet set or not displaying the basic fundamentals of what they're asking you to do uh, when they ask you to run, you know, roll out to the right and throw this out, you know, to this player or whatever. Um, so guys, like we said, we, we, we were talking about guys having bounce back days after having questionable uh, day ones. Right. So like the, the Jalen hurts, that's a, that's another guy that, now that his uh, he's kind of chilled, right, in terms of his production, uh, in terms of his kind of social clout that he had, because there was a portion, uh, there was a four or five week portion where he, he I think he led the uh, led the uh, college football in total yards uh, and points scored, um, but that kind of died off. Uh, and then in the big games, he struggled and teams boxed him in um, and that, that hurts your draft stock. So, of course, when, you, when you're when you hearing again that he didn't have a great day one and you're thinking about him being a day two player, uh, that that kind of fits what the Colts may be looking at, too. Uh, if somebody say somebody jumps ahead of the Colts and takes love uh, early and then the Colts go defensive tackle. And then uh, when the Colts go to pick, uh, a guy like Jalen Hurts is there with their second pick in the second round, right? Did you see the Colts doing that too, right? Just taking taking a shot? Um, Not in the second round. I don't see him taking a shot. Not on a Jalen Hurts. Um, I was thinking with the second pick. Like, yeah, with pick 44. Mm-hmm. At that point, I still think that they – if they depending on what this is all dependent on what they do in free agency. Yeah. You know, because that's going to play a huge role in where they need to shore up holes. Like if, you know, for whatever reason, Dallas lets Amari Cooper walk or, you know, Kansas city lets Chris Jones go or Houston lets DJ reader go, you know, Jacksonville lets Yannick and Gakwe go. You can shore up a lot of those positions that originally you were, you had questions on. Uh, right. in the draft and you're able to to make that happen yeah and i was thinking um there are only uh there's only a handful of left tackles uh in the nfl um that you could even honestly try to replace anthony costanzo because i mean in my if if I'm correct, the data said he was like a top 10 uh, player at the position this year, right? The the good thing about yeah, yeah, playing off offensive tackle is largely you're trying to prevent the only highlight that happens that matters for you is a sack on your quarterback, right? And I if I if yeah, I you're trying it, to prevent your name from being called. If I remember correctly, and I can be wrong, that's one of the things. One of the things about having a voice is being able to say, like, "Hey, if I'm wrong, call me out on it." Right? Um, but I'm pretty sure 
there was a like a nine week period where Anthony Costanzo was like fourth in the in the NFL and like didn't allow a a, a sack uh, for a significant portion of the season. And I remember actually I remember that because I remember the game uh, he allowed a sack and probably also a hit uh, on uh, Jacoby. Um, and and I if I think I'm trying to think it was like week 13 where it was like oh right after they had this big big expose about how Anthony Costanzo had the the stretch of a career right like a nine game stretch without allowing a sack and they made a big deal about it in the pre in pre production for the show and then when they actually got to the show <laughs> Anthony Costanzo allows a sack and a half like it just completely ruined his day. Um, yeah, I was trying to think about because uh, Anthony Costanzo is 32 years old, so he's still relatively young. So for him to retire is still a bit of a, a shock to the system, right? You would prefer to get him for another contract and then he retires, right? At say 30, 36 to 38 years old, like you'd want to sign him uh, for as long as he'll want to be here. Uh, I think if you can have his whole heart and everything he wants uh material is not a question right uh, I'd, I'd assume he'd be a top 10 paid uh left tackle and maybe even more depending on what he's willing to bring to the team because just as much as we're willing to pay him he's still got to have the drive and and the desire yeah. and they're, work, they're right? talking about they're talking about this like this might be something that we talk about a little bit more next week because hopefully by then we'll have some kind of resolution yeah on it um because right now it's all like Anything Costanzo and them haven't really talked about it. Right. So that's where we're kind of we're kind of all in this little purgatory area. Yeah. Um, where we don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, it seems like that might be. Hopefully, you know, by next week we'll have a little bit clearer picture. We'll have all of the Senior Bowl through a, throughout it. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be leading into the Super Bowl. So I think that's probably where we'll end up getting to talk a little bit more about everything. Absolutely. So, hey, that's where we'll leave you. Uh, we do appreciate you hanging out here with Stephen and I as we uh, we go through the the. So it, it is sort of like purgatory, right? It's 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 in between uh, the divisional championships and the and the Super Bowl and the Senior Bowl is all is all ahead of us. Uh, so mm. a lot of a lot you know about half of our show today was was talking about things that have yet to yet to actually happen. A lot of things that we don't really know. So. Uh, we do thank you for listening to us. Uh, this has been episode 29 of Afternoon Pancakes. Uh, Remember to follow us on the Twitter machine. Yeah. At, Likely Alien. Mm-hmm. And then myself, Steve, Nice Read Steve. It's Read R-E-E-D. And then uh, follow the podcast, too, of, at Pod Pancakes. And remember to give us a rating or review on whatever your preferred podcast listening uh, device is. Uh, Get five stars if you can. Hey, absolutely. That would be really helpful to us. Uh, So, yeah, enjoy the uh, Senior Bowl, and we'll see you next week.